Welcome to Insert Name Here. Wait, we still haven't no, solved yeah, this? No. We st- st- like, how many more weeks is it going to be like this? Can, are, we, can, we talk, can we check in with like the board of directors on our this? People, our people say that it's, it's, it's impre- they're workshopping uh, uh, several titles. Focus um, groups, man. Uh, we've, focus got, groups. Uh, we've hired focus groups in um, various demographic markets. Jesus, tap so, dancing. So uh, I expect any minute, any minute, any well, minute now we should have something. In the meantime, this is your weekly rundown of what the hell just went down here in D.C. and why it matters to normal people like you and not just that guy on the 52 bus yelling at his cantaloupe about inter- immigration reform. We're your guides. I'm Scott Remley, nascent long-haul trucker and Democratic strategist with the firm of Vaccaro Blue. And I'm Ian Taranji. I'm a member of the One Love Massive Collective, uh, artist collective through uh, the Lucky So-and-Sos. I'm also an immigration attorney with the law firm of Rodriguez and San Umbria, and I do not discuss immigration issues with, um, with fruit. With fruit. That, that's, that's awful. Ian, it's Sunday, August 6th. Normally... At this point, we'd start by me asking you what the fuck just happened. But this week, you know, after the conversations you and I have had, we agreed that the the cast today needed to start on a more somber note uh, in memoriam of our newly minted, newly unemployed Trump White House Communications Director, Anthony Scaramucci. So first, I want to I want to set the tone here with some appropriate music. Yes, right we're just, just going to get right back into it here. Oh yeah. We really need to pour one out for the champagne supernova. The flame that burns twice as light burns only half as long, Ian. That's science, people. It is. I can prove that shit with math. You know, Anthony Scaramucci, known to all as Mooch and known to his friends as Mooch, lasted just 10 days in the White House but blazed through our political heavens like a mighty comet, taking with him former White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus and former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer. Ian, the mooch is gone. Yes. But not forgotten. Never. Never forget. Let's recap who this Captain Asshole was. Never forget uh, what the mooch, or as I like to call him, the champagne supernova gave us. So for those who have been living under a rock... Um, Congratulations for for stepping out. Right. Uh, let's just really how's quickly, that sunlight treating you? We'll just really quickly recap who uh, who Anthony Scaramucci is. He is uh, the notes that I have here: New York City hedge fund scam artist slash financial news moron pundit slash general New York asshole. Um, so this guy, you know, we talked about him. We talked about him at length. We did an entire segment on the mooch. It was actually it was very entertaining, very funny. Um, I enjoyed it tremendously. I enjoyed. Discussing it, I enjoyed listening to it. Um, we recorded it on Sunday, and by the time the podcast aired on Tuesday, he was the gone. motherfucker was canned. He it's, was canned. We it's were... remarkable. You know what that is? That's business world efficiency right there. Well, That's is. why we need more. We need government to run like a business. That was goddamn quick. But I will say, in re-listening to the segment on the Mooch last week, I, um, I'm going to pat myself on the back for a little bit of uh, uh, common man wisdom and prescience. That uh, the Champagne Nova was burning white hot at the time and had the potential to flame out very quickly. And little did I know we were only going to get one week of this spectacular character on the Trump show. It's, it's really too bad. So just really quickly recapping his tremendous week two weeks ago. Step one. Step one. Gets job as White House Communications Director. Step two. Step two. Accused Ryan's Priebus of felony leaking financial disclosures, which turns out were, were right. public. Weren't leaked. Weren't isn't leaked. a felony. Isn't it, a f- and was and Ryan's Priebus had nothing to do with it. Step three. Step three. Uh, tremendous copy on Steve ba- on Steve Bannon when he calls up the New Yorker's Ryan Lizza and forgets to say, "Hey, all of this is off record." And proceeds and instead, to rant like a crazy person. And proceeds to, well, I mean, not like a crazy person. Like, like you're sort of like average New York asshole. 
True. Like swearing and cursing and fucking this and fucking that. And he's a fucking paranoid schizophrenic. And this motherfucker is sucking his own cock. And it's, you know, this is like... Charming. Family friendly. Well, I mean, if you really want to talk charming, we can also, you know, I mean, um, normally you'd say that the birth of your, of your daughter is a, a beautiful celebratory occasion. It is. I, it was for you. It was for me. You My were daughter there. Was, were, was, now, that's an interesting question, because as we know, Scaramucci was not there for the right. birth of his daughter. Right. He texted his wife. What did he say? Sorry, babe, I'm not going to be, I actually don't even know what he said. I'll pray for our daughter. I'll pray for our daughter. Now, that's interesting, because in contrast, we'll just pluck a random person, say, you, you, uh, uh, if I understood correctly, you you were there for the birth of your daughter. Right. It's funny, actually, because I didn't realize that this was an option. <laughs> See, that's intriguing, because you've been to this rodeo a few times with, that, with bringing children into the world. This is true. This is true. I have four children. Uh, I've been there for the births of each one, and had I known, I, like, you could have just been at work. Like, like, I like, could have just like, sent a text and said, I'm praying for our, our children. I'm right, praying you, for our son. I'm praying for our daughter. Just could have I, been at work like eating a sandwich. I would, certainly would have gotten a hell of a lot more sleep over those few days. Apparently so. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. I mean, if, if only I'd known, I guess. But anyway. So there's speculation that uh, there is, there, it has been reported in some, uh, what you know, I'm sure the Trump administration will call fake news because they don't like it. Uh, but there has been some speculation that this is actually engineered. All of this Scaramucci stuff and all that was basically engineered by Jared and Ivanka. Bringing Scaramucci in, they knew would drive Spicer out. They knew it would cause such a problem with Priebus, it would get Priebus canned. And then they knew that, like, well, Scaramucci, you know, that guy can't control himself. He'll get himself killed eventually. But it'll move out of the White House the people perceived as problematic for any number of reasons. Spicer, because he just made everybody look bad. Uh, Priebus, because Priebus was trying to sort of manage by, in, manage indirectly, kind of manage by leak. Trump, by all accounts, basically despised him anyway, thought he was weak. That right. was like the big slur that was used a lot, weak. I think, I think we established last week that, I, that there's probably literally no one on earth who likes Reince Priebus. So it's not that odd that Trump would not like that's, him. That's true. I don't I mean, think his parents R like him. Reince Priebus's dog doesn't like him. Right. So, you know, but now what? The, now part of this in turn, the view is the person installed, you know, uh, the new chief of staff, uh, um, uh, General Kelly, the former Marine Corps general, uh, who had been at the Department of Homeland Security, comes in <coughs> day one, calls Priebus, or calls Mooch into the office at 9 o'clock and says, you're done. As a shot across the bow to the rest of the staff, hey, I'm really in charge. I just took out Trump's favorite guy. I have his blessing to do so. Um, <clears throat> basically, there's being there's a new a, sheriff in town, right, right? Showing there's a new sheriff in town. Kelly, by all accounts, has imposed what people describe as "quote unquote" military discipline, which largely consists of as policy people apparently talk long winded. He just cuts yeah. them off and makes <clears> it get <throat> to the point, which you know I always think is fun. I but, mean, you know, it, it, now the other question is. Will this move work? This is the latest. This is like now attempt to four to like get a leash on Trump and make him act like a grown up. You think this is going to work, Ian? Uh, absolutely, yes, I do. I think it's it's long past time that uh, Donald Trump grew up, grew into this job, and began you know really seizing it as the great leader that he is. You know, um, so for those of you not clear right now, what Ian's doing is trying not to choke on his coffee while <laughs> laughing at what he said because it's preposterous. Here's what we've learned here's what we've learned in the last like 2 weeks. The only people that Trump is afraid of are generals because he went to military school in high school and like yeah. didn't serve. It's a thing that he can he, there's no way he could say, "Well, I could have done that." You know, or uh, you know, yeah. this this is the last ch shot at sort of making this work. And, well, you know, the perception is right now, you know, he's being a good boy. He's taking, he's he's trying to show off to, like, the new guy in charge. Oh, look at me. I, I'm studying. I'm I'm being just like you. I'm, you know, he's he's got, like, a little role <laughs> model right now. But as many pundits have also pointed out, like, the only thing that Trump hates more than bad press is press not about him. Mm -hmm. And the more the story percolates that Kelly like has him under control, probably the more it's going to goad Trump into rebelling. Well, look, I mean, Kelly, 
is probably the in Trump's eyes the only real success administratively um, that he's been able to enjoy in the executive branch because he hasn't needed Congress, for example, to um, uh, expand immigration enforcement, uh, to expand the number of priorities for deportation, for example, right, and to aggressively go out and seek, you know, right. Things Salvadoran we grandmothers and, right. and 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 you know fathers of with three U.S. citizen children and and deporting them back to Central America or Mexico, right? Uh, Things we don't even have time to talk about this week. The threats against multiple cities now that basically the Department uh, of Justice has said, if you're not going to help us uh, enforce uh, the immigration law, you're not going to get any money from the federal government. Well, spoiler alert: Uh-oh. I am an immigration attorney. There will be there will be there will be segments and topics coming up where we're going to talk about all of those issues. Uh, but with a as busy a uh, political week as we had this week, it's uh, it's not going to be this week. But so in memoriam, Anthony Mooch Scaramucci. Just want to point out too, the Mooch ousts or has a hand in ousting uh, Chief of Staff Ryan's Priebus. Then the guy who takes over for Priebus fires the Mooch. Oh, irony. It's like a black fly in your Chardonnay. Right? Jesus, tap dancing Christ. I can't believe you went there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I don't, I don't I, like, I quit. <laughs> I, I just, I don't even know what to do. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, 2017 to 2017. When we come back on with the cast, you're listening to Insert Name Here and not an Alanis Morissette record. This is a drop. Here at Insert Name Here, we like to think of ourselves as a real podcast, um, but we're very clearly not, not a real podcast. If we were a real podcast, for example, this space would be occupied by an advertisement, by an actual commercial venture that enjoyed our programming and felt that we reached a sufficiently large enough audience that they would pay to advertise in this space. So like like the Defense Department piping us in in Guantanamo because we're the one thing that can make people crack? <laughs> there it is! Hmm. It and that. we're back. Ian, what the fuck just happened this week? We're calling this segment Mueller time. Stop. Mueller time. Mm-hmm. So... While everyone is breathlessly tracking the uh, the latest machinations in society's last ditch attempt to get some control over our oversugared toddler president, the former federal prosecutor, one time FBI director, and current <clears throat> special counsel investigating the Russia matter, whatever thing. Right. interference w- with the Rob- elections and other stuff. This guy, Robert Mueller, he has pushed further into his probe with, I think, two really noteworthy actions uh, that we saw this week. And, you know, these, these are, this is not uh, uh, the, the, the quote-unquote fake news, which we hear whenever there's a story that includes anonymous sourcing, for example. Um, these, are, these are actual things that were announced and are confirmed. So, one, the... Uh, uh, the Mueller team is now seeking White House records regarding Michael Flynn, which is the first instance of seeking any records from the White House proper. And to recap, Michael Flynn was the first national security advisor who then got caught having lied mm-hmm. to Congress and lied on all of his official paperwork. You know, the paperwork you have to sign that says, yeah. like, I swear this is true on penalty of prosecution. Uh, turns out he'd spent a lot more time talking with representatives of the Russian government than he admitted to. They, he got fired Three weeks in, and basically ever since then, all that Trump has done on the national security front is whine that he can't have Michael Flynn back. Yeah, and if we have time in this segment, we can get into some of this Flynn stuff because there's actually some great, uh, tremendous White House, uh, I'm sorry, tremendous New York Times reporting from earlier this week. They have about, been killing it on this, um, man. They have just been on fire with this right, stuff. Right, right, right. About, about really digging into the weeds into what the Mueller team is looking at with respect to Flynn. And, 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 and in reading through it, and we should be fair, there's, there's a lot of it that does not pertain to um, the issue of uh, potential collusion between the Trump campaign and uh, the Russian government to influence the election. 
it's a lot of it's a lot more sort of uh, uh, standard issue doing business with autocratic regimes and the risks that accrue there too. Things like the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which says it's illegal to make payments and bribes if you're doing business in a foreign country. Um, and we've got, if you look at the reporting, there's 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 a lot appears there. to be some of that. <laughs> now the other thing that happened this week was. Uh, and the investigator. What is yeah. his? What is the term now? Investigator Mueller, special counsel Mueller. He's a special counsel. So a special counsel Mueller. The independent the, count, independent counsel was by statute. Right. Ken Starr was an independent counsel. When you're an independent counsel and it's created by statute, you're not. Uh, you really don't have a boss. You right. Know? You answer to no one. You answer to no one. You you really only answer to congressional appropriations. You ask Congress for money to continue the 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 investigations, and Congress gives you the money typically, but there's no, you know, uh, the president can't fire you. The attorney general can't fire you. Uh, Congress would need to amend the law in order to, so it, fire it, it, it basically in, an independent counsel gets a lot of, uh, uh, deference and, and really doesn't have anybody that can fire him. Right. Uh, Robert Mueller is a special counsel who has been appointed by the justice department by the, uh, uh, deputy attorney general who is functionally the acting attorney general, when it comes to Russia matters, because the actual Attorney General Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the Third uh, has recused Jeff himself to his friends has recused himself uh, from from anything Russia matter and, and anything Russia related. So he's a special counsel who can still technically be fired by the the Deputy Attorney General. All of that to say, the second thing that special counsel Mueller did this week is he impaneled a grand jury in D.C. Right. And what does that mean? When you, when you bring together a grand jury, he had a grand jury in Virginia investigating some stuff. Now mm-hmm. there's one here in D.C. Does the geographic change suggest anything? What does the grand jury mean? Like, what, do, what does this mean? You're well, a lawyer. The, Tell ge- me. the geographic change could potentially mean, uh, you know, by impaneling a grand jury, you may be looking at, you may be sort of tipping off the... Uh, the locus of the the conduct that is the subject of the investigation. So they may be looking at stuff that's happened in the White House, in the White House, it's like in since DC, he's become president in DC. You know, and 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 I will uh, I, I will preface by saying that I I've, I've not done federal criminal uh, matters either as a defense attorney or as a prosecutor, uh, but I do know people who have worked in the Justice Department and 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 people who have been federal prosecutors. Um, I would say this: when you, you don't you don't impanel a grand jury unless you have a theory of the case and unless you have evidence to back it up. Um, the, a grand jury, a grand jury, you, it basically you, you you present a case and you're not you're not you don't have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. You simply just have to prove that there's probable cause to bring an indictment. So and this so you're is you're asking for an indictment from the grand jury. Right. So your grand jury is kind of a rough draft of your prosecution. Right. And right. basically what you get is a grand jury is what six people instead of 12, is that right or how many people you are know, it depends it's it depends on the, it uh, depend. on the jurisdiction. But it's it's yeah. it's not a huge number of people and you're basically <clears throat> you do a rough draft of your prosecution. You kind of lay out your case and you say to this grand jury I I Here's think what we'll prove. Right. I think this is enough smoke that we should probably go see if there's fire. And so the fact that he's got two grand juries going kind of suggests probably there's two different avenues that they're looking at. I'd be surprised if there was only two. But, right. But at least two. There's some speculation as well that uh, what he's really, like where Trump's real anxiety is, is tax problems. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there are they have been doing business, the Trump administ- or organization, the business side, has been doing business in Russia for years, right. and there starts. They're starting now to look like, you know, payments are going to allies of, uh, you know, known allies of Putin that are kind of people who experts say like, yeah, these guys get paid a lot of money, and then that money goes away, and no one knows where it goes yeah. because where it really probably goes is back to Vladimir Putin. I mean, look, we, we, without seeing. Uh, what the case is, and without seeing what the evidence is, it's hard to really say, and it's hard to speculate what these ultimate charges are going to be. But I would say this: I would be shocked if there weren't some indictments that come out of this. I think the the general uh, uh, way that DOJ and U.S. attorneys do these, uh, particularly white collar criminal prosecutions, they don't seek an indictment unless they are confident that they can win a conviction. 
Right, which is the nature of being a prosecutor in the end. Well, we but say a lot this of times, is... no. But a lot, I think, I think a lot of times, state prosecutors, you know, they, sometimes they want to use charges as leverage. Um, you know, if they really just want somebody to plead to a, you know, a, a DUI or a DWI, that they're going to charge them with eleven different counts of reckless driving and all. So you know, so there's there's a lot of overcharging that happens at the local levels that is used and to, to be sure there, there's overcharging that happens at the federal level as well to use as leverage in negotiations but the biggest negotiating uh, uh, leverage that DOJ brings to bear in any case is their uh, uh, overwhelming confidence in their ability to get a conviction on each and every charge that they know all the elements of the charge they have evidence to back it up and uh, you know when you you it's 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 a whole different ballgame when you're defending criminal uh, criminal defendants in federal court than it is when you're defending them in state court, and that's because the quality of prosecutor. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to slag on local prosecutors who 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 do uh, who do great things and in, hard work in, and are underpaid and overworked for sure and, for sure for sure. Um, but federal prosecutors, you know, they're 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 coming from the top law schools. Right, they're, they're the all stars. They're the all stars. They're right. the all stars, and they mind their p's and q's. Everything is uh, tied up in a nice, neat little bow. And I would be shocked if they're if they are impaneling a grand jury. I would be shocked if there weren't several indictments coming out. I think it's almost certain that Flynn is going to be indicted on something, um, whether it's Russia related, whether it's uh, has to do with his dealings with the Turkish government. You know, I, I suspect he's going to be indicted for something. And, you know, there's certainly a, a cast of characters in the White House who are in jeopardy of same. And to bring it back to where we were talking at the beginning, because I know we only have about a minute left for this segment, but to bring it back to where we were at the beginning, um, you know, you talked about how as a special counsel, you know, they can be he can be fired at any time if the Department of Justice decided to It would get really complicated if they did. But right. like Trump mm-hmm. could fire him if he wanted to or the government could potentially just sort of defund him and just say, we're not going to pay you anymore. And basically at that point, what happens is like it kind of the operation ceases to exist. Right. Um, you know, we have uh, about a month, uh, well, more like seven weeks until September 30th, which is the end of the federal fiscal year, which runs October 1 to September 30th. It's a thing that dates back to the Ford administration in the 70s. Right. Um, You know, there's going to be most likely a debt ceiling issue where the U.S. government needs to raise the amount of, basically needs to authorize itself to take on more debt. Um, There will be a lot of negotiations. To pay existing appropriations. Right, to pay for existing things, to pay for, it's, it's a pretty standard it's actually a pretty standard practice that happened basically without discussion for decades until about 10 years ago when Republicans decided to make a thing out of it and threaten to shut down the government. This could happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there is always this possibility as well. Uh, you know, in just a few moments here, you know, do you think, do you think that could be another negotiating tactic with Congress is, to, you know, a Republican fight internally to see if they can limit him or do you think that's too dangerous? Well, I think a third thing, actually, which is that if you look at the actions that congressional Republicans are starting to take against Trump, mm-hmm. it does look like they're starting to 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 stand up to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, being at a being at a thirty three percent approval rating, yeah. uh, if you're President Trump, six months in, and we may not uh, even be at the bottom of that. Yeah, we yet. may not. We may. I mean, we there, may could, well there could be, be further down to go. So, you you are starting to see bipartisan push, at least in the Senate. For legislation that would prohibit uh, President Trump from taking any action that would uh, cause Robert Mueller to be fired. They recently did a bill that uh, uh, tied the president's hands with respect to Russia sanctions. Right. I mean, basically, congressional Republicans are, have stated and have stated with their votes in Congress that they do not trust this president to, uh, to be an above-board dealer when it comes to Russia. I think that's interesting, and so I think you are starting to see that same bipartisan push when it comes to Mueller as well. Well, when we come back, we'll talk uh, more about an administration so reactionary they seem to be on the verge of a time travel breakthrough. You're listening to Insert Name here. Do you have a commercial venture you'd like to associate with a terrible and poorly listened to political podcast? You, too, can come in as a sponsor of the One Love Massive Collective and this podcast by contacting us at Wokesense84 or at the at One Love Massive Twitter account. 
Ian's supposed to be trying to make me crack up during this, but as we can see, Ian was born with a sense of humor. And no sense of humor whatsoever. No sense of humor whatsoever. It's it's really tragic. I would like to point out, you can also reach Scott at uh, at puked on myself. Okay, that's eighty-seven. Okay, again, that's that's reaching Ian. That's his. That's I don't check that Twitter. Uh, I don't know anything I, I about it, that. I check it for him, and I always retweet. <laughs> I, I make sure to retweet. God damn it! You made me break. And we're back with insert name here, Scott. Yes, Ian. Two thousand and four call. What did it say? It wants its phobias back. Ian. Yes, Scott. David Spade called. Really? Yes, he wants his joke back. <laughs> oh damn! Oh, self five. Hell yeah! Anyway, uh, you were wow. saying I just 2000? got I just got spaded. That's right. You got dunked on <laughs> by a dude who's like five six and scrawny. Uh, and as you were saying, two thousand four called. It wants its phobias back. Yes. Uh, our esteemed president, Trump, uh, announced via Twitter several days ago and Twitter. just seemingly out of the blue. The preferred policy announcement mechanism, tweeting while watching Fox and Friends. Yes. After alleged consultation with his generals, uh, the military would no longer allow transsexual, transgender service members to continue serving our country. So, is this... I guess the first question, before we get into the substance of, of what it is that he uh, stated, is this like is this a thing now? Or are we just going to do are we just going to do policy by by presidential tweet? Apparently so. So my like, I think we can all agree like this is a stupid policy that's basically just him trying to like keep his base happy. You know, yeah. conservatives always say like, oh the. The military should be a tool of social engineering and blah, blah, blah. And there's Even a, though it has been on several occasions right. a very successful tool right. of social engineering. Right. In fact, the military has been a great tool for that for literally thousands of years. Right. It is a way that you've like broken through, created equality, things like that. Yes. Truman did this during World War II. He integrated, he integrated the army at a time when the army was segregated. He went, nope. That's and correct. there's a lot of research that suggests that was pretty important in sort of helping gain momentum for the civil rights movement. the civil rights movement uh, of a uh, about a, a decade and a half later yeah right yeah. Uh, 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 a and it was unpopular at the time very unpopular at the time when Truman uh, integrated the military right but now I don't think anybody would flinch at the idea of you know service people of color serving alongside you know white you know however right. it works like nobody thinks anything of that but these are these same protests so first let's just acknowledge like this is the same fear hate phobia it's right. just popping up in a different way now right here's the new person we can be we can label as other and say you're not welcome here yeah i mean uh, these things follow kind of a pattern you know we're afraid of black men sleeping with our women we're afraid of gay men sleeping with our men right <laughs> now we're afraid of transgenders using the wrong bathroom and uh taking advantage of our children a it's, thing that has never happened there's not a single doc it, it, you know yeah. it's like being afraid of uh, of uh, wolves attacking your children in their beds at night. It has never happened. Well, I mean, look, you know, maybe in Siberia somewhere. I mean, let's not, let's not, okay. let's not, let's not, let's not paint with a broad brush. Look, there's no documented case of it ever happening in the United States in any way. It okay. is, you know, it's a scare Fair. tactic. Fair enough. Now, my, you know, so A, this is not like a thing. There's almost no money that goes to this. We are talking right. about a small number of service members, many thousand. of whom are. You know, incredibly, you know, all of whom, by choosing to serve their country, are like incredibly brave. You know, one of whom is a woman named Kristen Beck. She is a former Navy SEAL. Yeah. Her, like her thing was when they were dropped into Afghanistan and they would go up to the cave, she would yell, Come on out, motherfuckers. And then like <laughs> unload on them, you know. And, and she yes. had a great remark about being a transgender service member where she said, Let's meet face. She, she addressed the addressing the president. She said, Let's meet face to face and you tell me I'm not worthy. Transgender doesn't matter. Do your service. Um, well, now, that's one thing we know about Trump is that, you know, face to face, he will tell you exactly what? what he thinks. You know, he doesn't care if you like it. Right. He's, he's not out to just make friends. He's not out to just, uh, uh, you know, backslap. He has. Uh, uh, right. He's definitely core, not going to whine. A moral north star that, 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 that guides him. And so I think he could sit across from the table in this woman and say, I'm sorry. We simply do not need your service. Do you think in his mouth military. can make the words "I'm sorry"? Good point. 
I, I'm just curious. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Now, so setting aside that we've pretty clearly established, like, this is actually not a concern. It doesn't undermine the military in any way right. to have transgender service members. This is just crap that he's trying to keep, like, his conservatives happy as they continue to desert him. My personal favorite part of this whole story is how he tweeted this policy out over a span of, like, 15 minutes. He did a first tweet that said, after consultation with my generals, I have decided... Dot, th- dot, dot. Right, <laughs> dot, th- that we will no longer dot, dot, dot. And there was, like, a 15-minute pause. Now, there have been several stories that have accounted that over in the Pentagon, everybody freaked out because they basically didn't know what he was going to say. Was he going to say, like, I've decided that we will no longer play nice with North Korea, we're going to invade, that we will no longer serve green bananas at breakfast? Like, who knows? And there was, like, legitimate anxiety about all this. <laughs> I'm just picturing a, uh, uh, a very formal meeting of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Going. Which all these four star generals and, Have you ad- heard and rear admirals know that they're all on their phone, like refreshing Twitter every right, exactly. five seconds. Anybody the, know anything? What the general, fuck is did he, you what see the anything? Fuck is general, I didn't see anything. General, how about you? No, general, I have, you know. Uh, the, my other favorite part of this is how, so the White House press corps, you know, he announces, uh, Trump quote unquote announces this on like a Monday morning, right? So that afternoon in the briefing with the press secretary, the White House press corps very reasonably says, like, Oh, hey, um, you know, some reporters literally almost said, like, hey, you know, can you give us more details on this? And the White House's spokeswoman, uh, 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 Sarah Huckabee Sanders, daughter yes. of, of, my, uh, of noted bass player Mike Huckabee, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has to spend four or five minutes saying, well, we're, you know, we don't, finding a way to not say there are no details. Instead, what she says things is like, well, we're working on it in consultation with Department of Defense. And the reporters keep saying, like, right, but you announced this thing. Do you have anything? And she keeps, like, trying to refer people to the Department of Defense, saying, well, we're working on it, anything, and gets really angry at the reporters and threatens to end the briefing. Because, basically, she can't say the thing that is the yeah. truth, which is, I, I know what y'all know on this. Right. She can't admit that. So she's got to find something else, which was to basically threaten to crash the whole briefing because, like, what else can she do? The president did not decide this after thoughtful consultation right. and briefing and several meetings and, and uh, having read and studied white papers and considered alternatives. He basically was like, meh, yeah, let's just... Right. Let's just get rid of them. Once again, policy by winging it. Ooh, winging which ties it. back into the Twitter logo. Oh, my God, it works out so well. <gasps> I'm a goddamn genius. It I all should makes really, sense. I should all really patent this. So, so I mean, if this, is, if, if this is part of, let's talk about this politically really quick. If this mm-hmm. is part of Trump's base play, which I do believe it is, you know what I mean? I think that he's been, I think he's tried to do business with sort of the quote-unquote establishment Republicans on Obamacare repeal um, and on uh, and then he's seeing how they're 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 stymieing him on Russia sanctions and kind of standing up to him uh, so he's kind of trying to go over their heads or around them and 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 get right to the base uh, so you know but is this even a smart base play well um, to be sure look to be sure his base I'm sure has no uh, uh, desire to see rights for transgendered people expanded i mean i i would no, feel they confident want to, they want to stone them to death. i would feel i would feel confident i mean i think if anything they, <laughs> they probably want to uh, uh uh retract some of the rights that we've given gay and lesbian americans before they expand some of these rights and protections to transgenders um no, it, but is there even majority support in 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 republican states for this you know there was a recent Washington Post analysis that that suggests not right. Um, you know, it's it's remarkable because the story of this administration so far has been while his approval ratings are dropping, his base is holding steady. Right, independent voters almost are, hardening. Right, independent voters are moving away from him, but the people who like bleed for Trump are basically they're seeing him bleed for them because he's going out and doing these what the rest of us basically think are unacceptable things. But I think you make an interesting point, which is like he failed spectacularly on the fundamental promise of his entire presidency, which was repealing Obamacare. And he struck out bad. And it's and there are plenty of conservatives out there that are go, that are in all likelihood saying, hey, what the hell, man? What the hell we send you there for if you're not going to get it done? Right. You right. know, we sent you there to get the black guy out because we don't like black people. And then we sent you there to undo all of the things that he did 
because again, he was a black guy and we didn't like him. And you're not undoing this stuff. The only thing he's really succeeded in undoing is a couple of like, he's done some executive order stuff on choice and he's quietly doing pretty well unringing the bell on most climate change stuff. Immigration too. Yeah. And immigration. Yep. That's fair. Heavy reversals in immigration. Right. Although they are facing significant legal challenges every time they make a move on that, they're getting thumped back. I mean, the talk is, is that some states attorneys Mm -hmm. general are going to do like 10th amendment challenges against this, against these threats about, you know, Xavier Becerra, attorney general of California is apparently weighing whether or not he's going to sue the administration over some of this immigration stuff again. Yeah. I would, I would, I would disagree with that characterization just slightly. I think that they are getting pushed back. But they're getting pushed back on the margins uh, where where the heavy action is. They're actually well within uh, the executive branch's prerogative on deportation and 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 who are priorities for deportation. And that's, I think, where his base is is like cheering is cheering the loudest because they're they're You know, Obama's thing was always, okay. yes, there's a lot of undocumented people. But, you know, this guy, for example, he's working hard. He's got U.S. citizen children. He's not a. And he doesn't have a criminal record. He's not a, a priority for deportation. This guy who's MS-13 and he's convicted of raping a child and you know, yeah, whatever. This and... is the guy we need to get out. Right. And Trump has kind of upended that where now the, the, the father of the three U.S. children with no criminal record who happens to be undocumented is a priority. Right. And, Previously, and, his, and the so test, the base is the base is the base is cheering that for sure. Right. Previously, the test with an immigrant under the, the Obama administration was. You uh, like here legally or here not, uh, you know, whether you are here documented or here undocumented, are you basically being a decent American or not? Right. Now, the presumption now the the, and that was the test like are basically are you a good person or a bad person? Now, what the test has become is if you are here, you are a bad person. I don't care what you've done. And that you're right. That's that's deeply troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, when we come back, actually, Ian, we can talk a little bit more about this in you know what I like to think of as my favorite segment of the week: moron or asshole. You're listening. Yeah, to we had a good one this week. You're listening to insert name here because neither Ian nor I are smart enough to come up with a name. <clears throat> but well, <clears throat> do you have just something in your throat? I do. Yeah. Well, in the Politically- meantime. Okay, we already said no to that. But if I, you have an idea for what to call this, you can tweet Ian at wokesince84 on Twitter. Ian, we're not going with politically transmitted diseases. We're not. As I mentioned, my friend Matt uh, came up with Politico de Gallo, which is a take on, for those of you who don't know, Pico de Gallo. Sort of like the... Who hurt you? And we are back Welcome back to Insert Name here We are now at Scott's favorite segment of the week My favorite Moron or asshole Moron or asshole And Scott I think has He may have some He may have some well defined Thoughts I have some views About this week's uh, contestant I have some thoughts Scott, who's our nominee? This week's nominee is, oh my god, I'm so I I can't there like th- this level of engendered just like hate. I I can't tell you. This week's nominee is uh, White House advisor Stephen Miller. Right, not um, noted rock legend Steve Miller. No, no, not no, not, a, no, no, not at all. Not the, the pompous this is, of love. Right. Uh, uh, oh my god, I can't stand this guy. Uh, he is now also the leading candidate for the new job of White House communications director. Uh, Miller is a former speechwriter for like the lunatic fringe of the Congressional Republican <laughs> Empire. He is a guy who like worked really close with the you know extremely alt right like mm-hmm. you know yes. neo fascist quasi white supremacist outlet Breitbart. He's known to have like dabbled with, uh, you know, Stormfront, which is a white, which is a huge white supremacist website. It's a big clearinghouse for that information. He's he, not a racist, by the way. He, he wants you to know that he is. That's not, right. He's not he a racist. Not a racist. He just wants to defend white rights. Like, hey, guess what? Uh, you know, he then went on to be the chief speechwriter for Trump. He's sort of considered like the guy who really understands Trump's voice. He is writing, uh, you know, among other noteworthy remarks, Trump's inaugural address, which you may recall stated flatly, you know, the carnage stops today. Um, 
you know, carnage meaning, of course, you know, affordable health care and the second longest round of economic growth in U.S. history and pulling us back from the brink of a global empire, financial collapse, the serious steps to curve greenhouse gas emissions and a move towards investing in energy, you know, job creating and solar energy. And and it, look, I could go on with this, but really, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, it's a faster way to do it. Um, if you go to Wikipedia and you Wikipedia Barack Obama and then you just jump down to the accomplishment section, that's right. what they're defining as carnage in this. OK, so the the, the background on this now yeah. is. Um, you know, the, the Trump administration, uh, is pushing to, you know, does another immigration announcement this week about yeah. how they're going to really tighten controls. Well, they actually, they, they, they're, they're in favor of a bill that's, that's, uh, circulating through Congress that I think is unlikely to frankly ever get even a vote, much less to become law. But, uh, this is again, part of that base play that we were talking about in the previous segment. Uh, and and essentially, what they're doing is trying to limit legal immigration. Right. You know, the way a lot of people emigrate to this country is through family ties. You know, you were married to a U.S. citizen, or uh, you know, your parents are U.S. citizen, or whatever, and and you get citizenship in that way. And so, what they're trying to do is restrict that right as, as, that 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 part of it. And so, they want to uh, uh, focus uh, our immigration policy on people with you know, uh, uh, advanced degrees and skills, uh, and also people who speak English, which would probably have, um, you know, had, had that, had that been our policy since the dawn of the Republic would probably have eliminated about 95% of immigrants to this country, including my mother, including probably Donald Trump's father, uh, including probably, 99% 99% of every Italian immigrant who came here, every right. my great Russian, grandparents, every Japanese, every Chinese, every So yeah. so what what happened in a White House briefing this week is that uh, a reporter for CNN, Jim Acosta, whose parents are Cuban, came here uh yeah. during the diaspora uh after the revolution, they came here speaking only Spanish, they immigrated to Miami. Jim Acosta was born here, rose to be a pretty well respected, you know, even-handed reporter. Uh, Jim Acosta started to raise questions about it and basically started to say, um, you know, this thing about English only, you know, do you really think that that embodies the spirit of the Statue of Liberty? Like Mm -hmm. that this seems these seem kind of contradictory. And Stephen Miller begins to lecture him in front of the entire White House press corps accusing him of, quote, (laughs) cosmopolitan (laughs) bias. Jim Acosta says, so you're talking about English-speaking people. So you're saying, uh, what, what, only people from England and Australia can come here? And Miller goes off about your cosmopolitan biases. And I am shocked, shocked that you would think that only people from those communities speak English. That's just a sign of how biased you are. And then gets into a weird technical argument about, like, well, you know, the, the, the engraving on the... Statue of Liberty about bring your bring me your tired, your poor, your hungered masses yearning to breathe free. You know, well, that was added later. Yeah. That doesn't really count. So here's the tip off. Oh, my God. So here's I, the tip off. I hate this guy so much. <laughs> oh, my God. Here's the tip off for our for both of our listeners. Um, whenever you see a conservative debating with a liberal and the conservative's bottom line is. That's why I'm not a racist. You're the real racist. Right. No, I'm not That's the asshole. You're the asshole. That's a tip off right. that there is some bullshit being shoveled. And our good friend, Stephen Miller. Oh, uh, my God. Some people do not call him Maurice. Right. Look, look first of all, Stephen Miller, okay, a 34 year old Duke alumni wearing fucking cufflinks, lecturing somebody about a cosmopolitan bias. You could fall down a fucking well, asshole. Santa Monica, by the way. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Well, what's what's? Oh my God! The only other place he could have been born other than that was like you know up Trump's ass. What are you fucking kidding me? You want to talk about somebody who's so fucking out of touch with the experience of being a regular human being in America? Oh, the mean streets of Santa Monica, and went on to Duke. Like, give me a fucking break, you wealthy fuckwit. Oh, my God. And then that doesn't even get into, you know, the phrase cosmopolitan bias is a thing that's thrown around in the alt-right press a lot. Because the alt-right press Right. Let us not forget this alt-right press where they have their roots is, you know, white nationalism. It's like when people complain about global global financial interests. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) There's a a very anti-Semitic connotation there. So now we're actually seeing basically old, like, you know, you could sit there and say, like, oh, well, he's not a Nazi. I, you know what? 
he's using all of the code words that Nazis right. used. Right. There comes a point where, like, you know what? If it sounds like a Nazi and it rules like a Nazi, it might be a fucking Nazi. Plus, let's also just let's also just concede that. Um, I'm not a Nazi is kind of like damning by faint praise. Right. right. The, if <laughs> the you have to lead to with it, right. If the first thing you have to lead with is first of all, I'm not a Nazi. Like, <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, that's where we're going. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, look, a friend of my, my you friend, have, you have, you have, you have very. Uh, uh, I know, have some views. You have some views on 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 our friend Stephen oh Miller. My God. Let me tell you what I think when I see this guy speak. He is to me the perfect encapsulation of the guy who thinks that he is smarter than everyone else. And who makes himself look so dumb trying to prove to everyone else that he's smarter than everyone else. Right. Um, and he's, he's the one that he corrects everybody. Who, well, actually. Well, actually. You yeah. know. He, the, the, well, he, that, that actually gets us into, that gets into, let's, let's, I mean, let's talk about some of the substance of what he said with Jim Acosta. Okay. Because we need to determine whether we need, are, make, are making a case oh that he God. is an asshole. Or whether we're making the case that he's a moron. Because, the, uh, again, I think that there is compelling evidence on both. Ladies and gentlemen, this is remarkable. Uh, did, he, he, Ian, tell people what's written on this piece of paper, because as we know, radio is a visual medium. Uh, this is just how I, you know, organize, okay, so organize Ian, my argument. Ian's got a diagram here that's got one, two, three, four, five, six arrows, four clauses, a paragraph worth of notes, notes scribbled out on top. This is incredible. This is called preparation, people. This is called preparation, all right? Listen, we don't take more on our asshole lightly here. This is not no. some joke. No. Like, we are... You know, what, what, we have to build a case like Robert Mueller. That's right. What do you, what, to a grand jury. What do you think? We're just trying to sit here and be liberals and riff and make fun of a Republican administration? <laughs> Fuck no, man. Jeez. We have Daga. For, okay. for okay. God's sakes. So I have a photo here of Ian's notes, and we're going to tweet it out on Ian's uh, Twitter handle. You can communicate with us at that's woke since eighty four. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, but Ian, so talk to us about okay. what's your full analysis here? Because so, it's clear okay. where mine is. Yeah. So so you mentioned that that the 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 line of questions between uh, Jim Acosta, the CNN reporter, and Stephen Miller was one of, look, is this really something that's reflective of traditional American values right. uh, in the immigration sphere? Um, and so there's, there's, there's two points where Stephen Miller did what's kind of like a very typical, sort of like a debate rhetorical tactic, and it's typically used when you have no substantive counterargument. And that is to to take words out of context, to mischaracterize your opponent's arguments, uh, generate moral outrage, knock down the straw man. I mean, it's right. a very bad faith rhetorical tactic. And you know, so so with the Statue of Liberty, for example, you right. know, I mean, Jim Acosta's citing the 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 poem that the fame you know, poem we know we all know a few words of. I don't think anybody really knows the whole thing, but you know, it's like the the huddled. Masses yearning, yearning to, be, to breathe free, yearning right? to breathe free, all that, all that stuff. The, and the spirit of the Statue of Liberty being a beacon of hope, a beacon welcoming of hope. people, that's right? Right, that's right. To into, which into New York, which is a city of many, many immigrants and immigrant communities, right? And so Stephen Miller's response is, well, the poem, and this is a quote here: the poem that you're referring to was added later, is not actually part of the original Statue of Liberty. That's one actually, one actually, right there, yeah. Um, you know, and Acosta says, look, you're bringing about a sweeping change to the immigration system. And he brings up the English-only uh, uh, qualifications and kind of yeah, says an offhanded comment like, you know, I mean, what, are we only going to accept people from England and Australia? And so <laughs> Stephen Miller's response to this, and I'm going to quote this because this is really, we say remarkable a lot on this show. It, <laughs> it's just, but this, this truly it's is. It's just spectacular depths of dickhead. Yeah. So this is what he says to Jim Acosta, who's just said, look, what are we, are, you know, offhandedly, are we just going to take people from England and Australia? This is a quote here. I am shocked at your statement. That shocked. You th that you think only people from Great Britain and Australia would know English, because that's, that's what he said. Shocked. It's actually. Uh, two. It reveals your cosmopolitan bias. Cosmopolitan bias. To a shocking degree. Shocking. This is an amazing moment. That you think only people from Great Britain or Australia would know English is so insulting to millions of hardworking immigrants who do speak English from all over the world. Jim, have you honestly never met an immigrant from another country who speaks English outside of Great Britain and Australia? Is that your personal experience? I will say I don't know. Uh, I don't know an immigrant who speaks English fluently from another country who isn't either from an English-speaking country or from an upper-income upper-income family. This fucking guy. I, I just. This fucking guy. What a. I, I, I just. 
you know, I, I'll, I'll so like when, when you when you when you when you take these statements, when you take these statements together, they make a very compelling case that he is a gigantic, gigantic douchebag. Uh, uh, which, 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 which is closely related taxonomically to the asshole. The asshole. You know, that is correct. The, the, the douchebag. I mean, they're they're sort of subspecies. You know, you can really get into yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. I it um, just, you know, my, you know, my, but but when but when you look at the bad faith rhetorical debate tactic, right, and then you make such oh, a show. I'm of shocked. Such a show Fuck of off. trying to 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 make Acosta look like a like you know. Look like look like a guy who's saying things that he's clearly not saying. I mean, you just you come off looking like a man that literally no woman would will sleep with. I, I mean, uh, what I really wow, that's a devastating indictment. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, he does. He's this scrawny, skinny-shouldered, balding Duke alumni. Apologies to a few of my friends that are Duke alumni, and you know, and you're wonderful and all. We you know we don't speak in March, um, but like just. He's wearing cufflinks. He's accusing somebody of cosmopolitan bias. Like, give me a break. What's Donald? What's what's going to happen next? The president going to come out and start accusing reporters of being too affluent to be in touch with regular people? He's, I hope that some reporter gets Sam up there. Like I hope that the next time that that fucking Sarah Sam, Huckabee Sanders, whatever you know, can't give an answer that they that some reporter stands up and goes, you know what? I am shocked, shocked. This is an incredible moment. You've rolled out a policy and you don't have an explanation for how it will work. Who possibly does that? How could you like just fucking hammers are in the same way? Because when reporters say that to the to the people in power, they all get bent out of shape and say, you don't get to come to this anymore. Well, I, I just look. My friend Eric made a really good point once about about punching Nazis. Is it right to punch a Nazi? To which he pointed out, we didn't win World War II by not punching Nazis. So, Stephen Miller, this is, this is your fucking notice. Is, I run into you on the street, you're getting a fucking fistful from me. This is unassailable logic, and um, also, uh, if you need it. Scott, if you need an attorney, just, I'm, I'm licensed to practice in the District of Columbia. I appreciate and, that. And Maryland. So, did, not Virginia. Not Virginia. I, I just, oh, Jesus Christ. Look, look I, I got to go simmer down for a minute. When we come back, Ian will talk about finding the right jewelry for your man in hiding. This is Insert Name here. If you, have, if you have an idea for what to name this terrible podcast or a thing for us to talk about or anything else, you can tweet us at Ian's handle at WokeSince84. And you may tweet us at exactly zero other handles because Ian's a great big jerk. I at puked, at puked on myself. That is not a that is not a thing. I, w- I will cut you. To wrap up, let's end with my favorite thing I saw this week, where we highlight something that gave you hope, made you smile, or at least deaden the existential pain just a little bit. Normally, Ian starts this segment, but this week we're changing it up, switching roles, if you will, and I'm going to lead with a little something. Uh, from uh, the new Gawker News website, Splinter, which is definitely not Gawker, so don't think you can sue them or anything, because they're definitely not. Uh, as backstory, uh, a bunch uh, after Priebus was fired, uh, it looks like he leaked a bunch of the transcripts of phone calls between <laughs> President Trump and some other leaders, where basically it came out that like President Trump just like whined and cried. What must the neighbors think? Right, you know, uh, to the Mexican president, he basically said. Well, come on, like, you can't not give me this win. I'm going to look like a dope. I'm going to look terrible. You know, to the Australian president, he actually said, I'm the greatest person in the world, and now I'm going to have to take these immigrants. It's going to look like a fool, uh, you know, and then bitched him at the end about, like, this is the nastiest conversation I've had all day. My talk with, uh, you know, my talk with Putin was very lovely. Fucking and, Australia. Right. And Fucking so, Australia. never changes. Splinter has uh, composed uh, what they, a, a post that I encourage everyone to go read. It's entitled, A Beautiful, Agonizing Love Letter, composed entirely of quotes from Donald Trump's calls with foreign leaders. Uh, this is composed by Katie McDonough, uh, a reporter. Uh, this is outstanding work. Uh, so I'm going to set a little mood, mu- mood music here, and then I'm going to read this letter in its entirety, just so we understand all of the feels. So first of all, here's a little music for us. <laughs> That would be Washington, D.C.'s own Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Are you feeling it? Do you know it? Grew up near the Dean Woodstock. Perfect. We're going to leave it right like this. Ready? My dearest, so you have put me back on the hook. 
To be very honest with you, I did not want to have a meeting. Your words are so beautiful. They are so beautiful words. And I do not think I can speak that beautifully, okay? I look so foolish for doing this. I am not like this, but if I have to do it, I will do it. But I do not like this at all. I will be very honest with you. I met you the one time and I studied you. You are a very hard person to study. It is incredible. But we cannot do this and we cannot sustain like this. Totally true. And you have seen the same thing. No. I do not want to say that. I am just going to say that we are working it out. And certainly as the relationship and friendship, I consider you a friend. I would love to continue talking. I want a great relationship. Far greater than anybody understands. Than any other man can give you. You have to see what I am doing. And I want to reiterate, you and I will always be friends. Do not worry. Okay, this shows me to be a dope. It will never be the same. Yours always, Donald. The so, Donald. So the only thing I can think of this is, do you remember the old, the old Onion columnist, Smooth B? That <laughs> <laughs> he would write these elaborate love letters to a woman and be like, I will treat you right. I will make you the finest, most sumptuous meal ever served. There will also be peas. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, wow, that's a that's a way to fucking kill that man. Well done. Uh, I, I, now again, okay. every word I just, every sentence I just read, every word is taken from a whiny transcript of him talking to foreign leaders. Yeah. Katie McDonough, you are my favorite thing I saw this week, and I thank Excellent. you for it. Ian, that was tremendous. That was tremendous. What was your favorite thing you saw okay. this week? So I've got to I've got to kind of set the table a little bit here because um, I have. I don't want to say strange uh, 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 sports predilections, sports rooting interests. No, I have very normal predilections for, the, mo- for the most part. But um, when it comes to my when it comes to sports, look, I was uh, I was born in Washington D.C. Yes. in the District of Columbia, George yes. Washington University Hospital. Yeah. Um, but my family left the area when we were about when I was about eight. Um, lived in a couple other towns, and um, one of those places was Chicago. And I just fell in love with that city when I when I first stepped foot when I first saw it. Um, so I kind of consider that to be kind of like a co-hometown. You know, sure. and When it comes to sports, I root for D.C. teams. I root for Chicago teams, except for the White Sox, because my favorite baseball team is the Chicago Cubs. And uh, as you Which can imagine... Which is a sad commentary. As you can imagine, it was uh, ecstatic that they won the, the World Series last year and made all the more ecstatic because of all the... Other heartache that, uh, that 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 comes with being a Cubs fan. You know, and somebody once said to me, "No team can have a bad century," uh, but the Cubs proved it is capable of having proved. a bad century. You can, in fact, have a bad century. For those who do not know, uh, prior to well, uh, October of 2016, yeah, the Chicago the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs had not won a World Series since 1908. 1908. Had not been to the World Series since 1945. Wow. Like, yeah, like, so like empires rise and fall in that amount of time. That is true. That is true. Uh, and and the the time prior to last season when they were the closest, tantalizingly close to making the World Series, they were literally five outs away. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget exactly where I was. I was uh, uh, at my 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 girlfriend at the time. I was living in Dayton, Ohio. I was <laughs> sitting. I was sitting on the oh. floor. Come on. <laughs> I love I love my 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 good friends in Dayton, Ohio. Go and, Flyers! And I'm thrilled that I no longer live there. Yep. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. I remember sitting on the floor of my girlfriend's apartment, watching the Cubs five outs away, five outs away from their first World Series since 1945, and I'm I actually caught myself saying. I can't believe the Cubs are going to go to the World Series. I and literally fate said it. heard him. I literally said it. And it's funny because I talked to many, many Cubs fans, and it seems like that was the moment when it was five outs away. I don't know why five outs is the magic number, but when it was five outs away, that's when all Cubs fans collectively started to believe. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually fucking happening. This is actually happening. And then it did not happen. Because it God did not happen. hates the Cubs. So what happens is, let me set the scene here. Game six. Game National six. League Championship Series, Cubs v. Marlins. Cubs are up 3-2 to two, uh, with uh, their stud young pitcher, Mark Pryor, on the hill. He is throwing a gem of a game. Who, was, uh, who was skippering the Cubs back then? 
That would be Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, current manager of your Washington Nationals. Of your Washington Nationals, that's absolutely right. And noted preserver of young arms. <laughs> okay, so that joke was, of course, that Dusty Baker doesn't know how to manage young arms. He ruined Mark Pryor. That's what he does. All right, so we're going to do like a two-hour podcast. Let me finish here. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Just shut up and let me do this, all right? So there's five outs away. Pryor is pitching a gem. Uh, he throws a pitch. I can't even, I think it was, was it Alex Gonzalez? No, 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 no. I can't remember who it was for the, for the Marlins. Hits a That's fly ball. you remember it. Hits a fly ball to the, down the left field line, down the third base line. There it goes. It's going into the crowd. Moise Salou, the Cubs left fielder, is running towards it. Wrigley Field, as you may well know, has kind of a brick wall up there. The ball looks like it's it's still going to land in play, and we're about to be four outs away from the World Series. Everything's great. He's on Moise Salou puts himself underneath, and all of a sudden, Steve Bartman, who is a Cubs fan, I'm sure you've all seen the pictures, the guy in like the green sweater turtleneck thing and the, the big chunky glasses and the Cubs hat and the, and the headphones on. The headphones with the little styrofoam, he's like just, the 80s headphones. And, and to, to be fair, he's doing, I think, what any fan in that situation would do. You see the ball coming and, you know, your your fans reach for the ball when the ball is coming to them. And I think he, he was sitting in the first row. I, I think he didn't realize maybe how far... I, it's it's hard to tell whether he actually reached out onto the field of play and it would have been a catchable ball from Moise Salou or, or or not, but he interferes with the ball. Moise Salou kind of like does an exaggerated, what the fuck, you know, kind of, and, and is kind of like yelling at him. Then all of a sudden, all the fans start yelling at him. Then the Cubs start melting down. They, they were in the eighth inning of this game. The Cubs are leading. If they win this game, they go to the World Series. Folks they give up him to go through this flashback is amazing. They, <laughs> they give up like six runs. In this inning, it's like watching a man talk about numb. <laughs> it's there's definitely a lot of PTSD here. Definitely a lot of PTSD. Bottom line is Steve Bartman was just he had to be roundly, escorted out. He had by to be security. escorted out by security out of this game. He basically went into hiding. Like right. he had to like grow a beard and mustache so nobody would recognize him. Changed his addresses. Changed his address, like, yeah, like moved. Like he really had. He to, really and took. People it. still found him. He really took he he really took a lot of heat for this, which was I think uh, totally unfair, totally totally unfair. I mean, look, so good fans when your defense is in the field and the ball is close, you rock back. You don't rock towards the field, you rock back. But if you're in the first row, yeah, if you're in the first couple of rows. That said, I I still think it was unfair all the criticism that he took, and this is all set up to show you what my favorite thing was that I saw this week, which, which was, was a story that the Chicago Cubs. Uh, created a World Series ring specifically for Steve Bartman, uh, and they gave it to him. Um, and if you Google it, you can find the pictures. Maybe I'll put it up on Twitter. Maybe I won't. <laughs> but uh, it's a a really pretty ring, and um, I think it hopefully closes a a sad, sad chapter in the Cubs' history. Now that uh, now that they're out dominating again, even though they're struggling this year. Well, that's all for this week, yeah. uh, you know, here on Insert Name Here. Yeah, thank you to the One Love Massive Collective for hosting us this week. Um, we appreciate them giving us the opportunity to say things to both of our listeners that uh, uh, that they would hang up on us if we called them and told them these things over the phone. So. If you had to characterize the One Love Massive in, like, sort of one three-word phrase, what, how would three you Three-word phrase? Three-word phrase. Let's see. Probably DC as fuck. DC as fuck. Yeah. You can learn more about them at onelovemassive.com. Follow them on Facebook at onelovemassivedc or on Twitter as at onelovemassive. Thank you also to our producer, Magic Mike. Shaking his head. DJ Mike Phillips. You can find him on Twitter at, at DJ Mike Phillips. That's Phillips with a Z because he's edgy. Edgy. If you want to sponsor this podcast, hit him up and he'll hook you up. If you I have an idea, I don't know. I don't know why anyone would. Well, you I know, look, don't. some look, look, tax write-off. Mm. You know, I mean, like we are. You know, we are a sad sponsorship case. You know, <laughs> I don't think we're five hundred one C compliant. Look, I have done. <laughs> we're average in a lot of ways. Let's just be honest. Uh, if you have a name for this stupid podcast, if you have an idea, you can tweet that at us at Ian's Twitter handle. That's at Woke Since 84. If we choose your name, 
You'll win this week's prize, a round-trip drive with no air conditioning to a Sheets gas station halfway between D.C. and Charlottesville. That sounds great. That does sound great. Ian, what's our nominee this week for uh, the name for uh, this stupid podcast? Our nominee this week is <coughs> Just Stop. Just Stop. Just Stop. Yeah, I think what do that, you think? Well, I got to tell you, I, I actually just want to reflect that right back at you because I think it speaks for itself. Looks like we're still looking. Uh, from what I understand, our people, our staff is 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 they, workshopping several titles. They are still. They are in the focus uh, groups. Right. They're right. they're doing. So, there's a lot of so polling. Do, a lot of focus groups. I do believe we'll of, have a title. I do believe we'll have a title. Well, maybe next believe. week. Maybe and until week. then, we'll talk to you then. Thanks, yes, sir.